Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Wait, it's not. It's mbop. That's the whole name of the song. I like doo-wop, though. Doo-wop. Wop, wop. I had the tune right. I just forgot the words because the words are mbop. The song is called mbop. Yeah, I know. Oh, gosh. My bad. Well, all those guys are married and have kids now, so deal with that. We're old. Yep. How's it going, everybody? You're listening to an episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we are taking a first look at Commander 2016. Woohoo! This looks insane. Yeah, uh, I mean, the word on the street is that this is the best pre-con Commander set maybe ever released. I think, um, I mean, it's hard to say that em- empirically. Yeah. But it seems pretty good. I'm going to, I want to say something before we... Um, we jump in here, which is that I noticed on Twitter today, Saffron Olive, mm-hmm. who... Uh, the brewmaster himself. Yep, who is one of the MTG Goldfish guys. He tweeted out a couple of things, and he's sort of a finance expert, so I'm going to quote him directly because we're not finance experts. Uh, he said, These Commander 2016 decks are absolutely stuffed full of value. Wizards reprint game on is on point these days. And then he said, Discounting the new card spoiled today, TCG mid... On cards in Kiano's deck is $153. Whoa. Atraxa, $138. Brea, $126. And the other two are $100. Holy crap. That's crazy. That's the value right now, obviously. They've just been spoiled fully. Yeah. Um, all, a lot of those prices are going to come down. and But they're going to come down because the Commander product's coming out. So the value in these Commander decks are pretty insane. I would say... It's like a 4X multiplier in some of them. Yeah, I would say probably... Usually, in the last few years, there's been like one uh-huh. that's very high, and the rest aren't. You know, the Jaleva deck, the Duretti deck, right. you know, the that they've, there's usually been one. But I don't think there's ever been a Commander product release where all five of the decks 
or 100 or above. That's pretty crazy. The value you're going to get from this stuff is going to be awesome, and you know where you should order them. Oh, that's right. There's only one place to order them, honestly. It's CardKingdom.com, our sponsor for the show. Make sure you guys go check them out at CardKingdom.com slash CommandZone. They sell sealed product. They sell singles. They sell a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's a really good time. Uh, when you're hearing this, you can still pre-order this stuff or order them. You can order the singles, like Jimmy said. Mm -hmm. Make sure you use the affiliate link. You're going to want a ton of this stuff. We're going to go through. This is obviously just a first look, um, but you're going to want a lot of it. Some of this new stuff looks crazy. It's also the thing where with the partners commanders, you kind of want all of them. Yeah, you. I mean, you might even want multiples if you want yeah. to be like, hey, I want to partner this guy up with two different of these new commanders. Yeah. Oh, um, boy. Oh, yes, this is interesting. You just typed something in there. This is how we do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have a new thing. I don't know. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, but before we get to the new thing, make sure you guys check out cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. Use the affiliate link. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a very new thing. Uh, before we get into our episode today, this is kind of a cool announcement. It's um, it's a small, slow rollout of what's going to be happening to this show in the next couple of months. The first thing is that we are no longer on rocketjump.com. Uh, it's because that website and the company, it's a film company, they've decided to pursue film more. If you guys didn't know, it's actually a lot of their podcasts ended. We were like the only ones with Masters of Modern yeah. that were still going. And we're Magic the Gathering, their film, so... Although we were on the same site, our interests didn't really align, so we decided to move off onto our own site with the Masters of Modern, and that website... Drumroll, Terry. Thanks to Josh's brilliant idea, is called collected.company. Collectedcompany.com was gone, but I was like, wait, you can just get the .company as the end of your website address. Synergy. <laughs> yeah. So from now on, we are essentially starting our own new, uh, I would guess you would call it a hub or a platform for currently ourselves and the Masters of the Modern Com uh, podcast. It's collected.company. Yep, so you can find all our stuff there. You can comment mm -hmm. on the shows there. Of course, we'll still be in the normal places on the normal feed, uh, on YouTube, in the normal place. So none of that is changing. Um, there's going to be definitely some more announcements to do with Collected Company coming up in the next couple of months mm -hmm. right now so. it's a very basic web layout yeah. um also if you guys email us at commandcast at rocketjump.com all of those emails will be forwarded to our new email which is commandzonecast at gmail.com but don't worry you don't need to re remember the new one if you are used to the old one those emails will always get forwarded along all right let's talk about commander 2016 oh boy this set holy crap looks awesome uh, so first off, we have five different decks, and each of them have a four-color commander at the helm. They're called Invent Superiority, Entropic Uprising, Open Hostility, Stalwart Unity, and Breed Lethality. Breed Lethality. Breed Lethality. That's a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, so they all come with one commander that costs all four colors that are in the deck. Mm -hmm. Uh I don't know. We we haven't discussed this, Jimmy, but online, I think a lot of people are are tending towards calling each of the sort of four color pairings like greenless. Oh, whitelist, greenless, blacklist, blueless. Yeah. yeah. So that's just an easier way to say like that's the deck that doesn't have red in it. It's redless. I kind of like that. I don't know. That's what we'll call it for now until you know inevitably there's a big argument online and who knows. I don't have a dog in this fight at this moment. It's certainly an easier way of immediately knowing what colors not in the five. Uh, in the four, I mean. Um, it, it does tell you all the colors that are in it, too. Yeah, yeah, but Wizards likes to name these. For instance, when Cons of Tarkir came out, they had Abzan, Jeskai, Jeskai yeah. Saltai. But they um, went many years without having names for those mm -hmm. uh, 
wedges. So they might go five years. So until then, maybe it's whiteless, redless, toothless, etc. Toothless, <laughs> um, <laughs> lethalityless. So we kind of were trying to hint at what the mechanic was. Well, uh, we were we were guessing, guessing at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were close. You were pretty close. Yeah, we kind of got there. And... I mean, two cards in the command zone. That's, mm-hmm. you know, we called that part. So the new mechanic that's really going to have a big uh, impact on our format is partner. So certain cards now say partner on the bottom, and it's a keyword that just means you can have two commanders if both have partner. So, like, they're buddy buddies. And each of the sets has three legendary creatures that are partners, which is amazing, which means that there, someone calculates, like, you have 105 combinations of commanders Correct. you can do with all of these commanders to make new decks, new yeah, four-color decks. there's 15 total uh, commanders with partner. They all have two colors, mm-hmm. and you can partner any of them with the other ones. That makes 105. You can even partner some of the ones that are the same color if you want to. Yeah. So you can make two-color decks, you can make three-color decks, or you can make four-color decks. This way, there are currently no partners with three colors, so you can't make five-color decks this way. This is incredible, though. The Usually when the commander deck comes out, there are a few reprints at Legendary Creature or just a couple of new ones, so each deck is like, okay, you can have three new commanders out of this. Each it's That's completely different <laughs> in this set. Yeah, well, think of, like, a new set comes out, usually, commander set, and there's three legendary creatures, which means your possibilities for if you buy, you know, one of the pre-cons is to build one of three different decks. Mm -hmm. This one is you've got the four-color commander, then you have the three partners, and each of those partners can partner up with the other one, even if you just buy one, so that's at least... You can, and they don't have to be partnered. You could build a deck just with one of the partners. They just can right. be, right? So that's at least four right there, plus the the different combinations among the partners, which is one, two, three. So that's seven yeah. decks total. That's just that you could build just with those legendaries. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. They're actually reprinting a whole bunch of legendaries in this set, um, way more than normal mm-hmm. as far as legendary creatures. So if you're just coming to Commander, this is like the best time to come to Commander. Like, yeah, oh my gosh. You're going to have more tools now jumping into the format for the first time than probably ever before from a Commander uh, pr- uh, product. And we should note that we're going to go into each of the decks individually and talk about the different builds you can do and all that, um, but we will do that starting probably next week. This episode is just a first look at the set and serve. We're going to talk about a lot of the, oh boy, a lot of things to consider yeah, there's a ton of craziness. Um, well, let's continue with the partner mechanic. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, some of the thoughts about combining your partners and how to go about it, you know, do you have any initial thoughts about about that, about how that's going to work, about taking two of these commanders? Which two do you take? Mm-hmm. How do you build a deck around it? Well, the cool thing is that you can be like, all right, this guy's all about artifacts and this guy's all about attacking. I'm mm-hmm. going to make an artifact attacking deck. Uh, so you can just take the two abilities and be like, sweet, I'm just imagining this reads as one commander. The only other big thing that I was thinking about this is that just having both in the command zone doesn't mean they're both active at the same time. And if you lose one, does your deck work? If you only have one of the other ones out, do you have to have both out at the same time? Do you need to consider to protect both of them? So there's a lot of other considerations. Just having them both in the command zone doesn't mean when you cast one, you get both of the abilities. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, you know, we've talked about curve considerations in Commander before being pretty unique because you always have a certain card that you have access to. Well, now you have two cards that you have access Mm -hmm. to. And so that could change your curve quite a bit. You know, if you have a 
one of these partners costs three and the other costs five, then your four drop slot becomes a little bit more important and yeah. your five and your three become a little less important because you have cards you want to cast at those times. Depending on the cards, you might not want to cast them on time every time, but most commanders want that. Yeah, or if they're both two uh, colors, then your four drop slot, or two mana, then your four drop slot is very important because you can play both of them on that turn potentially right and you might be more apt to play more signets or something if they're both cost four because you want to hit your fourth mana on turn three as yeah. often as possible those are things to think about and yeah make sure I, you have all your colors i like what you said about t- when you team them up sort of thinking about what their abilities are um and how they work together for instance silas wren who is some people said this looks like you <laughs> yeah i don't know how it doesn't look like you to me but um silas wren is one a blue and a black for a 2-2 legendary artifact creature human has death touch. It says, whenever Silas Wren deals combat damage to a player, choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. So if only Silas, not any of your creatures, just Silas deals combat damage to a player, you sort of get to recur an artifact from your graveyard. Um, and it has partner, obviously. So if you partner it with Siddhar... Sadar Kondo of Jamara, who's two white and green for a legendary creature, Human Knight, with uh, it's a two five, and he has flanking. <laughs> Whenever a creature without flanking blocks this creature, the blocking creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Creatures your opponents control without flying or reach can't block creatures with power two or less. Silas is a two power commander. Correct. So all of a sudden you make it so they need reach or flying to block Silas, um, which makes it obviously tougher to do. So those are sort of. A, a, a rudimentary way to team up a couple of partners so that they have synergy, right? You cast Silas, then mm-hmm. the next turn you cast um, Siddhar, and Silas can attack that turn now and is harder to block, and now you maybe can recur one of your artifacts. Um, obviously, that wouldn't work exactly because you need mana to cast the spell with Silas, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool that at the very least, on turn three, you can play Silas. Turn four, you get Siddhar out. And turn five, there I mean... Go. Who knows what you're playing at that point, but yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of neat that you can play an artifact card just straight from your graveyard if Silas connects. So. Correct. Uh, another pairing, just to, to do one more, is um, Ishai. Uh, Ishai is... Where is Ishai? Where are you? There Ishai? he is. Ojutai Dragon Speaker. Ishai... He is? She is? I don't know. Ishai... I think it's a, a lady. Sure. It's a lady. It's a lady. Ishai, two, a white, and a blue for a 1-1... One, one, Legendary creature Bird Monk has flying. Four mana, one, one flyer, huh? Whenever an opponent <laughs> casts a spell, put a one, one counter onto Shy Ojutai Dragon Speaker, of course, has partner. So this is one of those cards. We've seen a few of these type of cards, like, I think, like, Mana Gorger, is that one of them? There's a few yeah, that Manigor say whenever anybody casts a spell and they just grow into huge proportions. Forgotten well, this, Ancient. This can be your commander and can grow huge really fast. Um, and then, of course, Bruce Tarl. Oh, yeah, the Boorish Herder himself. <laughs> What a name. <laughs> what a picture. His name is Bruce, and he's about attacking a boy. Oh, Bruce, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it, should, it can't be Bruce, because there's already a way to spell that. Yeah. We'll call him Bruce, though. I like Bruce. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a way to spell Bruce, I suppose. It's B-R-U-S-E. Who knows? Um, two, a white and a red for legendary creature, human ally. Whenever Bruce Taro enters the battlefield or attacks target creature you control gains double strike and lifelink until end of turn so obviously making a ishai into a huge flyer i guess your opponents technically make her into mm-hmm. a huge flyer 
So if she's like a four, four, five, five, six, six, and then her gaining lifelink and double strike, and she's your commander. Yeah. So that's commander damage. Gosh, if only Bruce Taro could be flickered. Too bad red, white doesn't have those colors. Oh wait, partner. Yeah. White and blue for Ishai. So like you get access to abilities to make Bruce Taro way better. I think that's actually another thing I noticed reading a lot of these is. They're all fine commanders. None of them stand out as like, holy crap, for the two-color ones that have partner. But as soon as you give them access to other colors, and that may be the more important thing, not necessarily the other commander, but the colors you have access to can make a card just much better. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, because flickering Bruce Taro, obviously harder to do within his own color. White does it a little. Um, yeah. Are there any of the partners that stand out to you? Um, I, you know, I'm kind of a big fan of Kaideli, Chosen of Crufix. Yeah, I think she's the best one. Yeah, she, I mean, obviously green and blue. Hey, here we go. Uh, she's a legendary creature for two green and blue and is a 2-3, a human wizard with four arms. Krufix loves all the arms. Anything that says Krufix on it is probably <laughs> going to be good, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she has partner, and she also says tap, add colorless to your mana pool for each card you've drawn this turn. So diamond mana, you get a lot of it. Yeah, so she's asking you to draw cards, but at the same time, when you draw a lot of cards, what's the biggest problem? Can't play them all. But with, how do you pronounce it? Kaideli? Kaidel? Kaidel? I have no idea. Well, we Bruce know. Bruce Deli? Wasn't Kithion with a Y? Kithion? I thought it was Kithion because he, so he, they call him Gideon because it sounded like Kithion. So K- it has to be a I. Kadel? So I have no idea. Adele. Adele. So hello Adele. from the other side. <laughs> Sorry. She's I, saying I hello. cannot sing Adele, by the way. <laughs> I can sing the Hanson Brothers, but Adele, dude, I can't touch that. Um, Cadell offers you the choice to not sing, but just ramp like crazy. She looks so. like she's singing in the picture, maybe. Yeah, it's true. So, <laughs> hello from me. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'll stop. She bears the greatest burden of all, that of knowing. There's some crazy uh, good stuff you can do with her. Obviously, if you pair her with one of the red partners, mm-hmm. then you get access to Jeskai, and you can do stuff like Wheel of Fortune. Oh, which yeah. means for that turn, she'll tap for at least seven. Mm-hmm. Um, That's actually crazy. If you I do that, that and then Staff of Domination, you can get infinite mana that turn because Staff of Domination can untap her for less than the seven right. and then keep tapping her forever. Also, if you get red, you get access to Jeskai Ascendancy. Ooh, boy. Jeskai Ascendancy with her is insane because Jeskai Ascendancy untaps her, but also when you cast non-creature uh, spells, you loot which mm-hmm. is drawing cards. So each time that adds to the amount of mana she'll tap for. Um, yeah, I That's think... pretty cool. Yeah, I think... How are we pronouncing it? I have no idea. I think Adele. Adele. I'm just going to call her Adele. Adele I yeah. think Adele is the best of the partner commanders, for sure. No surprise, because she's Simic. Yeah, no surprise at all. Um, another thing I thought was really interesting is that a lot of these commanders... <laughs> People are like, oh, if only so-and-so also had partner on it. For instance, people were talking about uh, Brizella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Voice of oh, Nightmares, yeah. which was Bruna and Gisela from the last set. Like, why don't they have partner on them? They're that would perfect. be sweet. Uh, but I think what's going to happen is I, I'm, I'm totally down if you want to make a house rule to be like, hey, only one of the commanders has to have partner. <laughs> You're going to make some crazy broken decks, but you could also do some fun stuff. Yeah, I think that would be fun as a house rule sometimes to just be like, yeah, everybody can have one deck where only one of them has a house partner. That's, that seems fun. Yeah. I'm down for that house rule. I'm I down. hope our playgroup is. Play I'll, make, is. I'll make a deck. Um, all right, well, let's talk about the 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 four color commanders, the red list, green list, black list. Mm-hmm. Toothless. Toothless. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying toothless at the end. So 
these are what we were expecting. The partner thing is kind of an extra bonus, and I think it will be defining of what the set is as yeah. far as like, and, and we'll be eagerly looking forward to the next time because now if they ever print partner again, it will interact with these. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if you create one more commander with partner, you've now created 16 new commanders, <laughs> right? So that's just a like their ability to do that later on and really increase. The and they can very easily do this in standard sets without affecting the power level of standard yeah. at all. It's actually a really good point. Or at least conspiracy or something, because mm-hmm. they, they are reticent to just say the word command zone in, in, in yeah. regular sets. I don't know why, but that's how they are. Um, anyway, so on to the traditional four-color commanders. There are some crazy ones here, too. Yeah, let's start they're with that They're all crazy. Uh, some of them are a little less crazy, but yeah. they're all crazy to me because they all have four colors on them. This is one of the more sneaky crazy ones. Yeah. Now, people immediately thought that this was one of the less powerful ones because of the costs to do the things, but I, guys, the effects are good. It's Brea, the Ethereum Shaper. She is greenless, so white, blue, black, and red. Legendary artifact creature human. It's a 4-4. Four, four. By the way, they all cost just 4 mana. Yeah, um, there's no colorless in their cost. I think it... Yeah, just to make the math easier. <laughs> yeah, so when Brea Ethereum Shaper enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one blue Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying, and she has three activated abilities. The first is... Oh, no, sure. She has one activated ability but with it's three modal. options. Yeah. Uh, pay two mana, sacrifice two artifacts, choose one. Brea deals three damage to target player, Target creature gets minus four, minus four until end of turn, or you gain five life. Now, on the surface, this doesn't look that powerful because you're sacrificing two artifacts. You have to pay two mana as well. And like, and none of the effects seem crazy, right? Yeah, you're making a creature smaller. You're, you're lightning bolting just a player. You're gaining five life. Here's, sa- here's the thing about Brea, and I think once you realize this part of it, the entire thing changed. She can sacrifice herself. Yeah. She's an artifact creature, and you can pay two to sacrifice two artifacts. You don't have to sacrifice the two Thopters. You can sacrifice one Thopter and her. Mm-hmm. So now all you need is a way to generate infinite mana, and she kills everybody. Because once you have infinite mana, you can sacrifice her and then recast her infinitely, creating the two artifacts you need to uh, bolt everybody to the face to death. The only other consideration is just making sure you have the colored mana to do it. I mean, the other Right, thing you is- need to create infinite mana, but it ha- can't be colorless mana. It has to be of... Mm-hmm whatever colors there's there's some crazy combos that supposedly can get this done on turn two what um so you entomb turn one for world gorger dragon into your graveyard then Uh you animate dead the world gorger dragon now you have to have dual lands because they have to come into play untapped and they have to be like you know you have to have your two dual lands be able to get all four of your colors oh geez and then you do the we talk about this in the eternal masters thing world gorger comes in uh with animate dead and world gorger gets rid of all the other permanents, which puts it back in the graveyard, but then mm-hmm. Animate Dead comes back and brings World Gorger back, and you just do that infinitely, get infinite mana, gotcha. and now you can cast Brea with the Thopters and sack them infinite amount of times and bolt everybody. So, so listen, that's not going to happen very often, no. and you're probably not going to build your deck to just go kill everybody on turn two because <laughs> everyone will be like, fine, we're dead, but the game just started. Can we just you know play? Yeah, the other thing, Craig will like this. If you give her Infect, the three damage she does, she just has to bolt someone four times, and they're done for. That's a really good point because it says Brea deals the damage. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also use like uh, Ashnod's Altar is really, really good with her because oh, yeah. you sack the two uh, Thopter tokens. And then if you have something like Eldrazi Displacer. Yeah, flickering her is nuts. Cause... And if you have Ashnod's Altar and Eldrazi Displacer, then you actually come out one colorless mana ahead on that exchange. Mm-hmm. 
in which case you can flicker infinite times coming out ahead on one mana each time and then do the bolt thing with all the because you're going to create a million thopters if you do that and right. so then you do the, the same thing again bolt everybody nim's death mantle is another one yeah it sort of does that because again with Ashnod's, it gives you the cost to bring it back yeah to bring her back so there's a whole bunch of ways because she can sacrifice herself is a huge part of a lot of these combos and the way the, the sort of ways to break her uh she's she's really good if you're doing that if you're going infinite with her i think she's yeah, less she, good if you're not doing she's 100 percent has to be built around um but there's so many great cards i think that go really well with her um someone in the comments of uh the, the website we're looking at calls this resper resper red plus esper interesting thing is then you got to think of a crazy one for each of them it's just no i'm on greenless greenless yeah all right okay so the next one is saskia Saskia? Saskia. The Unyielding. I have a friend named Saskia. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a real name? Yeah. Okay, well, Saskia, the Unyielding, is... Oh, crap. Blueless. My brain's like, which one's missing? You should have immediately known. Wait, where's the blue? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) This is my least favorite. No, just kidding. Uh, Yeah, blueless, which means it's black, red, green, and white. Mm -hmm. Four mana for a 3-4 legendary creature human soldier, soldier. Has vigilance and haste. As Saskia enters the battlefield, choose a player. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, it deals that much damage to the chosen player. So you're sort of hitting two players whenever you hit one player. I it, guess if you attack the player you named, which would yeah. make a ton of sense, then it would like only But this is like double do strike, but you get to choose one person that just gets just punished by it. This is a way around a lot of my favorite effects, like propagandas mm-hmm. and collective restraints. Oh and my goodness. Ghostly prisons, right? Because I have that stuff out, and you just name me yeah. and then a- proceed to attack craig and i get hit for it yep in which case also craig can be like well in this case i'm not gonna block because josh is almost dead and i'll just let you kill him yeah oh sure i'll take 10 damage if they also take 10 because i'm at 50 because i'm playing you know this life gain deck or whatever yep i uh, some interesting things here are the myriad mechanic oh my god because gosh. it says when a creature you control deals combat damage to a player so mm-hmm. myriad is just going to attack everybody with a copy of, obviously you can't do it with Saskia, but your other creatures. Right. Um, so you're just doing a ton of ton damage. ton of damage and an extra to one person. I also think just being, because uh, you do have white, being able to blink Saskia to change mm-hmm. who the selected player is. You could double it up with Panharmonicon. And with certain blink effects that are instance, you could do it in instant speed before combat damage is dealt and really sort of out of nowhere, right? Oh yeah, get somebody. That's that's totally possible. So does this tie itself to her or when her copy, or is this when the new copy comes in? Does it change? What do you? Mean? Oh, no, I'm talking about blink. What are, What do you mean? Is it when when she comes back from the blink and you choose someone else? It's not like two people have the effect on them. It's just someone no. new, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can only hit one additional player at a time, but you could sort of somebody could think they have it handled in some way right. because they're not the named player, mm-hmm. and then boom. I mean, generally, I don't actually like cards like this because what's it forcing you to do? It's forcing you to say, to declare Go out combat. loud, I am against you. It's hard to, at that point, make any sort of deals with the table and yeah. whatever because you've sort of declared your intentions. But you are in good sort of just hot value colors, right? You're playing Jund. Uh, you have... You're playing Obzon. You have ways to defend yourself and potentially gain a lot of life, too. So I could see a build with this that's trying to be more mid-range and controlly that just out of nowhere can, you know, drop a trampler and just wreck two people at once. Pretty cool. Yep. All right, the next one is... We have three more. Kanaios. Kanaios and Tiro of Melitus. I have no idea how to Melitus. pronounce 
So I these, think it's Miletus. Miletus. So these are the guys on the uh, the giant statues in the background, sort of like the Lord of the Rings statues. Oh yeah, because it was it's in, in the, the Guardians of Miletus. cards. There's yeah. an actual yeah okay. The Guardians of Miletus was just like a giant O6 wall, but here, Kineos and Tiro of Miletus is uh, they are blackless. Red, green, white, blue. Legendary creature, human soldier. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Then each opponent who didn't draws a card. It's a 2-8, by the way. This is very... 2-8. I did not even notice that. Yeah, wow. it's huge. Four mana, 2-8. Yeah, I Dang. guess they're both 1-4s, I They're going to block some people, I'll tell yeah. you that. Jeez. <laughs> This is really interesting. At the end, beginning of your end step, you get to draw a card. Then every player... Including yourself. Including yourself can put a land card from your hand on the battlefield. Then whoever doesn't draws a card. Each opponent, Each opponent. doesn't. So yeah. you can't draw two. But if your opponents do decide to ramp in that way, then they don't get to draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's your slightly advantaged because you have the ability to do both of these things. Draw a card and put a land on a play. Um, it seems sort of group huggy, though. Yeah, definitely. It's also not necessarily great if you're doing sort of Nekusar type things where you're trying to make people take damage for drawing cards because they don't have to draw the card mm-hmm. if they have a land in play. And also, the last thing you want them to do in those decks is ramp because then they can cast more cards in all the cards they're drawing. You actually want to try and like tax them on land somehow so that they they can't cast all their cards. Land tax? Yeah. Uh, no. But... Okay. <laughs> At um, least you always have you always have lands to play if you have land tax. I think this one of the four color commanders is the least powerful. I think it's it could be fun. Don't get me wrong. It's mm-hmm. group huggy, but I don't think, at least to me, I don't see a great way to like have it be competitive or powerful in any way. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I could see some fun builds with this, or maybe in that four color deck to to be group huggy. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it, the red part of this doesn't really speak to me. Um, outside of the, like, it's kind of chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could be fun. And you're drawing extra cards. It will speed up the game. It'll make the game fun for everybody, for sure. Because whenever you're drawing more cards and playing more lands, the game just sort of proceeds faster. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that could be good. Okay, the next one is Atraxa, Praetor's Voice. Atraxa is the Redless General. Hate it. <laughs> she is a 4-4 legendary creature, Angel Horror. Has flying, vigilance, death touch, and lifelink. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about this card. That seems pretty good for oh, just wait. four. Oh, what? But we're not done. <laughs> but wait, there's more. We there have some more. lovely parting gifts. <laughs> At the beginning of your end step, proliferate. Oh. So you choose any number of permanents and or players with counters on them and give each of them another counter of a kind already there. So. Gresper. Gresper. <laughs> <laughs> Atraxa is sweet. Atraxa um, is very, very strong. Obviously, super friends decks. Because mm-hmm. it's just like putting an extra counter on your planeswalkers. And it does it at the end step. So you cast her, and then I think it's her. You yeah. cast her, and then at that end step, you proliferate. So you get that effect the turn you cast her, which is very strong. Um, obviously, you'd play all the cards like, I don't know, Astral Cornucopia. Mm-hmm. Um, the, maybe the storage land, stuff like City of Shadows, which are all cards like City of Shadows taps for as many, manners, as many mana as um, you have counters on it, but you have to sack a creature to put that many counters on it. But then she would add to the amount of counters. There's a lot of cards, Pentad Prism, Mana Bloom, stuff like that, that has ramp and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, mana that's tied to counters. Super powerful with all that stuff. I think she's going to be very, very strong because you can build your deck around her. And of course... Craig, 
is oh, saying yeah. right now, yelling at his in radio. In fact. In fact. Super good with infect. If you play something like Ikorats, which basically gives everybody a poison counter. Oh my gosh. And yeah. then that's just a huge, that's a clock. Like it's a super fast clock too. Um, mm-hmm. That's I how think, infect decks have to win, I think, is killing everyone at the same time. Yeah. Although they're going to see it coming from far. I mean, if you could just, if you, you're obviously going to put a lot of proliferate in a deck like that. Yeah. It, she's very, she's very strong, I think. Yeah, and, like, she's in the right colors for Infect with green and black. Um, not to mention, if you just want to build her as a Voltron commander, she's pretty darn good as well. Oof. Yeah, Boy. I think it'll be fun. I, I may build this one to just do a proliferate deck. Yeah, sounds like a deck that you would enjoy yeah. quite a bit. It's also got green and blue, so, hey. I tend to like decks with, like, a lot of accounting. Maybe I miss my calling <laughs> in life. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> Your calling as an accountant? Well, you know, like the Ben Affleck style, where you like are also Jason Bourne. <laughs> that movie, very confusing to me. <laughs> it's like, all right, Ben, what are you doing here? Like, did you did you go to someone and be like, I want to play someone really smart and also can kill people at the yeah, same time? A, They're well. like, we got just the role for you, Ben Affleck. Uh, all right, okay. This is, I think, both of our picks for the most powerful of the f- four color commanders. Is it, it is mm-hmm. for me? Is it for you? And, yeah, and it has all of our favorite colors in it. It's Idris Maelstrom Wielder, also the whiteless commander. Uh, I don't know a name for this. It's Blund, Blue Jund. Um, a legendary creature, Ogre Wizard. Get the tribal decks going. A five I'm ready, master. I'm not ready. <laughs> it's a 5 4 with trample. Whenever Idris Maelstrom Wielder deals combat damage to a player, as you cast spells from your hand this turn, they gain Cascade. So, Cascade is whenever you cast this spell with Cascade on it, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non land card that costs less. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. And then the exile cards go on the bottom of your library in a random order. What? Free spells for days. Oh, man. It's like a better Maelstrom Wanderer, and Maelstrom Wanderer is already, like, crazy good. Yeah, and now you have access to black as well. Oh, it's crazy. So if you guys want to know. Also, it has trample. Yeah, like, so it's definitely They were like, well, they'll just chump block it. What do we do about that? Let's just give it trample. That, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Cards with Cascade historically have been banned for many formats. I'll just say that much. It's way too powerful because it's card draw and ramp at the same time, right? Because it draws you the card and plays the freaking card. Mm-hmm. So, oh man, it's so good. So, let's talk about some things that you might want to do with this card. Obviously, one of the big things you want to do because the Cascade effect is contingent upon the casting cost of the spell that you cast, right? Mm-hmm. So, you want to have spells that casting cost is actually more than what you paid. So, like spells with Delve, like Treasure Cruise, is great because you pay one mana and you get an eight mana cost Cascade spell. Yeah. Um, or you just have a lot better chance of hitting something huge. Yeah. Um, and not blanking. Like, let's say if you flip cards and you flip a seven mana card, but you cast a four mana card with Cascade, it's like, oh, I can't play that card. No, you'll, ju- you'll just keep. Yeah, exactly. You'll keep flipping until you find it. Um, yeah. Dig through times, another one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this has access to most of the Delve cards because it's in what you call it, whitelist, whitelist. Uh, blunt, blunt. It's not bland at all, though. Another thing that's not immediately evident is giving Yidris, Yidris. You know, it looks like Idris Elba from Thor. Because <laughs> he's, guard, he's guarding the. And he's uh, got the th- light thing on his helmet, like th- Idris Elba sort of does. Oh no, that's his no, mouth. That's just his mouth. <laughs> uh, from far, it looks like it. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So Idris, 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 oh, gosh, Idris Elba. Sorry, sorry, Shabum. Um, Idris, if you give him double strike, mm-hmm. you'll get to cascade twice when you cast spells. 
yeah. because he will have hit the opponent twice. So and it will every have... single spell has it. It's not just the first one you cast each turn. No, every spell has Cascade. But give him double strike. He hits Jimmy once. That triggers the Cascade thing. Then on regular damage, hits him again. Triggers the Cascade thing a second time. Now I cast Treasure Cruise for one mana, and I Cascade twice. Yeah. Uh, which is what Maelstrom Wanderer already does <laughs> when you cast him when he enters the battlefield. But he does, what, eight mana? Yeah, so Idris does this by turn five, five. or even four. Oh, my gosh. Um, not to mention you can get extra combat steps because of reds. So you can just cascade. You could cascade up to four times off of a single card. Oh, my card. gosh. If you did extra combat step, oh, man. This card is brigadey broken. Yeah. Yeah, this thing's awesome. This is the other one I might build. I might build them all. This is sweet. Yeah, I I'm not building probably one. Brea because it's all infinite combos, but I'll leave that one to Andy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's all of the four color commanders, which means get out of there. Get out of here. Uh, let's talk about the new mechanics. There's there's one, right? I believe so, and it's Undaunted. Uh, this is one of the best designs I think commanders ever had in a product because this is a perfect way for wizards to reprint cards that have a high power level without actually reprinting them that don't affect other formats. It's a long-winded way of saying good job on Undaunted. It's a mechanic that says this spell costs one generic mana less caught to cast for each opponent. So an example, uh, White has a board wipe called Sublime Exhalation. Everyone's just going... <sighs> and it's sublime. I feel sublime. Now this card costs six and a white, and it says undaunted, so it costs one less to catch for each opponent. If we're playing a four-player game, that means it costs three mana less, so it becomes a four or a three and a white, so a four-mana board wipe that says destroy all creatures. Pretty good. Yeah, four-mana board wipe. And four players, I think, is where the sweet spot of where this is generally going to land for undaunted cards. Yeah, and that makes it basically Wrath of God. Yeah. Yeah. Also very good with Idris because the casting cost is high. True, but Idris is whiteless. I know. So you could do Coastal Breach instead. Yeah. Six in the blue for a sorcery, undaunted. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands for four mana. Pretty, pretty, pretty decent. I mean, it would return Idris, but it would still trigger the Cascade, hopefully twice yeah, so in the meantime. Play, so you could just replay Idris and then get two spells. <laughs> oh, this is just good. All around, yeah, you're right. These are spells that their casting, their CMC is actually higher than the amount of mana that you paid, so it works really well with a lot of things yeah. like that. Um, yep, that's the only new mechanic. There's obviously returning ones. Um, we're going to talk about some of the standouts from inside the 99 of each of these decks. We're obviously not going to talk about every single card. There is a cycle. It's a cycle of, what is it, allied colored, mm -hmm. multicolored cards that all have basic land cycling two which means you can pay to discard this card and search your library for a basic land card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. So this is sort of a nod towards the fact that the mana bases for four-color decks are going to be a thing. And we know we've gotten a lot of questions about mana bases. We're probably going to talk about that in depth when we, at mm -hmm. some point because we know this is a thing with... Uh, with four-color decks that a lot of people haven't had to tackle. Yeah, and the big part of the value from these decks comes from the fact that they all reprinted a ton of different rare lands for each of the decks. Yes. So, and they're all different. They're, that's not a cycle. Uh, they're all just sort of to fit the deck that they're in. So we'll talk about mana bases. We might do an entire episode on four-color mana bases or maybe half an episode about how to build them and optimize them. Luckily, both Jimmy and I have a lot of experience with that. Yeah. Because uh, it's not that different than a five-color mana base. Nope. There's like similar. half my decks. Anyway, so the uh, <laughs> the allied colored basic land cycling cycle, that's hard to say. There's five of them, obviously. 
there's, I'm not going to read each one, right? So they all have the basic land cycling for two. There's one that creates four 1-1 flying birds. There's one that draws cards equal to the number of cards in your hand, and then you discard a card for each card you drew this way. There's a put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It gains haste. There's exile up to two target artifacts and or enchantments. And then there's treacherous terrain, <laughs> which I hate because it's gonna. it totally makes one of my decks kill myself. It's, uh, it makes all your decks kill themselves because you, you love them lands. Getting a land, yeah, well, yeah. Getting a lot of lands into play is one of the loopholes in the format, right? Because nobody plays yeah. mass land destruction. So you go, uh, it costs six, a red and a green. Treacherous terrain deals damage to each opponent equal to the number of lands that player controls. Sometimes this is just eight mana win the game because it doesn't deal it to yourself, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, just fork it, and it probably is. I mean, it's at least going to do, like, it's ten, eight. eight. It, it's eight mana probably deal to the table if you're playing with four players. Like, somewhere between 35 and 50 damage total. <laughs> Seems pretty good. Yeah, and if the, the person playing Omnath is just like, oh, gosh, I have 17 lands, I died. My If they're playing, like, you know... Get Rog or my lands deck routinely will have 35 lands on the battlefield. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, that's gonna be nuts. I'm looking forward to the day somebody kills me that way, though. I'll be like, well done, sir. Well played. Yeah, and the nice thing is that, like, you can't play a card that just says deal damage to target opponent equal to the number of non basics they have. Uh, you have to, you know, the card needs to be a little better than that. And I think all these cards are great because you can fit them in a lot of other decks because they have basic land cycling. So on turn two, they do something, and on turn eight, turn six they also do something very powerful they also yeah that one definitely has the text sometimes kill everybody or at least one person yeah and yep. the one that the exiles artifacts and or enchantments yep. is obviously very good um grave upheaval to bring back cards from the graveyard is also a very Decent. powerful effect sometimes yeah. yeah um okay then these we're just going to go through sort of randomly i think some of the notable standout cards to us yes first okay. up i like it i like these fairies this this reminds me a lot of Perplexing Chimera, actually. Oh, a little bit. Fairy Artisans, three in the blue for a 2-2 flying fairy artificer. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types, then exile all other tokens created with fairy artisans. So you only get one of these tokens at any time. However... But you get one every time. Every time, and yeah, and we're all playing cards that say enter the battlefield does this, so you get to double that effect. It's really kind of crazy, and not to mention if you clone fairy artisans, then you're getting two copies of each creature. Yeah, that um, seems amazingly powerful. People are going to play stuff with enter the battlefield, and you just get like whatever their ETBs are, I get Every one too. Every time, oh gosh. Now, you don't get to keep it, so if someone plays a Consecrated Sphinx, then they would, they have to order things a little differently. They'll play a Consecrated Sphinx, you get one, and then they'll play another spell, and then you get, like, you know, their whatever, 04. True. Uh, I think it's not really that great against cards that don't have ETBs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Consecrated Sphinx doesn't. But something like Acidic Slime, that's great. They play it, blow something up, then you get to blow something up. Yeah. Um, I think this would be great in uh, Craig's Una deck because you he has so many sack outlets in there so that when another creature enters the battlefield, Quick go sack, sack it, mm -hmm. pay some mana, exile some cards, make another fairy. That's a good then, point. They are artifacts, too. So you can have cards that say, um, you know, sacrifice an artifact or, or care about artifacts, and, and that will work that way. So Kind of like uh, one of our... Part, oh, one of the Brea. Ladies, yeah, Brea that we talked about earlier today. Yep. Pretty good. Yeah. Remember, it is only opponent's creatures. It's not yours. So it's not actually abusable in the Brago and Rune decks and things like that. Yeah. This next one has an incredible uh, spoiler video. 
by the professor, the Goblin Spymaster. The professor has, I mean, let's just be honest. He has the best spoiler videos. Like every once in a while, somebody will have a one-off that's like better. But in general, the professor's like average level of spoiler video is like here. I'm putting my hand at the very top of the screen and everybody else is like the middle of the screen. Yeah, like, he, he he's put, a foot above everybody he else. He puts in the work and it shows. He's, um, he's pretty good. I love this. This card's hilarious too. I think this card's actually really good. I think so too. So it's two and a red for a 2-1 goblin rogue. First strike. At the beginning of each opponent's end step, that player creates a 1-1 red goblin creature token with creatures you control attack each combat if able. Oh my gosh. So this is very strong. And the fact that it creates a token, that means even if they get rid of the spy master at some turn later, if they don't get rid of that 1-1 that says that somehow, they still have to attack every turn with all their creatures. This can hose a lot, like Rune. Mm -hmm. Rune decks don't actually want to, like you don't want to attack with your Glenelendra because it'll probably just get blocked and die. Oh yeah. But spy master can screw up a lot of the sort of more controly type shenanigans that people have going on where they're just they got they got a few creatures and they're all very important and they're never going to attack with them yeah oh yeah or they're like a grand abolisher type creature you know they're a card that affects that it's like i need this guy to stay here so that i don't die kind of thing or a lot of will play their general right idris might usually want to attack because of the combat damage that's a bad that's a bad analogy um but there are definitely generals that you play yeah. that don't want to attack. They just want to sit there and have their effect happen. And Spymaster says, nope, sorry, you've got to attack. Now, it doesn't say you have to attack who you have to attack. So you might be able to still attack players that can't block properly, blah, blah, blah. But in general, I think Spymaster will screw up uh, enough things. It, it seems like a fun card. And I think it might actually be good enough to play in like actual decks. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested to see how this plays. Because um, I think in general, it's going to mess up things more than make it like, oh, thank God I can just attack this person. It totally it, will screw up your plan. So as soon as you attack the person that can be attacked, it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> and now I have no blockers. Yeah, And, and that, everybody has and to that attack person on that hates me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Charging Cinderhorn, another red card, three and a red. By the way, a lot of good red cards in this set. They, very, very I, happy about that. I think they did really good with red in this set, and I think they're very aware that red needs help. Yes, please. <laughs> charging Cinderhorn, three and a red for a 4-2 with haste, an elemental ox. Gotta love my ox. At the beginning of each player's end step, if no creatures attack this turn, put a fury counter on Charging Cinderhorn. Then Charging Cinderhorn deals damage equal to the number of fury counters on it to that player. So this is almost in direct contention with Goblin Spymaster that will make everyone attack. This Charging Cinderhorn, if this existed in every game of Commander I've ever played, this probably would have done about 2 billion damage at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, because it doesn't say you have to have creatures. If you have none... You still didn't attack with a creature. Sorry, you're taking damage. Yeah. So those Nekusar decks and things like that that just aren't playing a ton of creatures, we don't care. You're taking damage from Charging Cinderhorn. I, I like this tactic that they've taken with Red, which is not just to make yourself attack, to make everybody attack mm -hmm. and to definitely like charge them a heavy penalty when they do not. Yeah, and the nice thing is this has haste, so it won't deal damage to you. Um, however, you could just take one damage from the fury counter and then you start proliferating it and then oh mm, boy i like it like charging cinderhorn i could see killing someone with charging cinderhorn and then tapping down all their creatures so they can't attack that turn and it just wings them for like eight yeah that's a good point if they only have one creature and you make them sacrifice it sorry you're just gonna take damage like yeah <laughs> yeah this and goblin master are really interesting because you know if they're like shoot i can't die because i'm gonna die to the cinderhorn i gotta attack with this guy's like great i'll block and kill it yep <laughs> yeah i like that card um the next one is probably the most buzzed about card in the set. Buzz. Yeah. I think so. It's Deep Glow Skate. 
Deep Glow Skate is four and a blue for a three, three creature fish. When it enters the battlefield, double the number of each kind of counter on any number of target permanents. Jeez Louise, wizards. What's going on? This card it's is the absurd. Doubling fish. Doubling fish, yeah. Doubling yeah, squid. This is the card that sort of has everybody talking and, and even people playing like Legacy and stuff are talking. I don't know how true that is, but... Yeah, five minutes a bit. Yeah. A bit expensive. But yeah, this is doubling season. I like how it, it works on sort of a different axis than doubling season. So mm -hmm. doubling season, you have... Doubling season has to come out first. And then I have to play my Planeswalkers or whatever else. Skate comes out after. So if I happen to play my Planeswalkers, that's always been a problem with Super Friends decks, yeah. which is like... If I play doubling season, then I'm sort of telling everybody, hey, I'm a huge, huge threat. Yeah. But if I play my Planeswalker first, then the doubling season comes out and doesn't affect it in any way. Well, Skate kind of skates that. Yeah, skates over it. So now I've seen so many times I'll play a Planeswalker, my Planeswalker deck, and be like, oh, plus one. And everyone's like, what's that guy do? Oh, that guy's sorry. That guy's nothing if he doesn't <laughs> have his ultimate. Now you get the chance to play a deep glow skate afterwards on the next turn when people decide not to swing at it or you play your planeswalker into an empty board and out of nowhere, you not only... Because sometimes a lot of the planeswalkers have like come in with four and their ultimate's eight. So doubling season gets them to eight, but they'll die. Right. Now, if you come in with four, plus them up to five and then deep glow skate to 10, you ultimate... And then you also keep the planeswalker and it doesn't go anywhere because it doesn't die from using all of its counters. So I think Deep Glow State has a lot of hidden potential here. It, I think it's definitely at its best with Planeswalkers, and I could see it being good with, you know, other, you know, like this could be an infect kill, right, if they're at five. No, because it's only uh, oh, on permanence. Yeah, so it's not on players. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, God, because we don't want Craig getting a hold of that thing. <laughs> yeah. Double? Yeah, so, so I mean, it. it's still super powerful, though. Yeah, I do think it's slightly overrated at the moment, which is not to say that it's bad, because it's very, very good. I think yeah. people are very high on it. I think... I actually think the outcome of a card like this is going to be that Planeswalkers get killed faster than they used to. Yeah, especially if, I mean, if they're not playing blue, then whatever, but you shouldn't be playing a Planeswalker deck without blue. Yeah, if they play a Planeswalker and they're in blue, then the entire table has to kill that Planeswalker or at least get it below what would be, what, one minus half of the ultimate, right? Because mm -hmm. so, you can't let them plus one, then double, and be at ultimate. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's super interesting. Interesting. Um, Ooh, I like this next one. Magus of the Will, two in the black for a 3-3 three, three human wizard. Uh, you can pay two in the black. Now, the Magus cycle has been in the other ones. There's Magus of the Wheel, which essentially replicated uh, Wheel, of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. There's Magus of the Disc. There's Magus of the Moat. Disc, yeah. Magus Mo of the Moon. So Magus of the Will replicates Yogmoth's Will. Two in the black, you can tap and then exile Magus of the Will. Until end of turn, you may play cards from your graveyard. If a card will be put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile that card instead. Wow. Super, super powerful. Yeah, the fact that you can have now two versions of this card in your deck, and, you know, I think the sorcery speed of um, Yogmoth's Will is just kind of made a little worse. Magus of the Will lets it sit there and lets you choose when you get to do this effect. And I think that's really powerful because I think wasting a card, you know, this is also a 3-3 three, three for 3, so it will do some stuff on the ground if you don't end up using it. It could be a chump blocker. It's just better than having a sorcery that you have to play and have to do with that turn instead of having sort of the option to use them. Yeah, I I, I do like this card. And, and Yagamos Will, very, very powerful. So just a second copy of that is going to be good. Uh, the next one is an interesting one. These type of effects... I think they, they don't see enough play. I think these type of effects are a little bit stronger than they first seem. So this is Orzhov Advocist. It's two and a white for a 1-4 human advisor. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player may put two plus one plus one counters 
on a creature he or she controls. If a player does, creatures that player controls can't attack you or a planeswalker you control until your next turn. So your upkeep happens, everybody gets a choice. They can either put two plus one plus one counters on one of their creatures, or they don't. If they do, you're immune to their creatures attacking you or your planeswalkers until, until your next turn. turn. Yeah. yeah. This is pretty sweet. Yeah. It's it's very powerful because I, I don't know how often someone's going to say no to this. I mean, if they don't have any creatures or something or... The, yeah, no, really, like... I'm, I'm always going to say yes because I'm like, you know what? I can deal with you eventually when I choose not to do it and I have a 30-30 or whatever. But until then, yeah, I'll take the free counters and then, yeah, we'll beat each other up. It's, like, better than propaganda in a lot of ways because they just can't attack you. It's... And the, and the other good thing about it is it sort of says to the table, hey, if you're going... If you want to attack me, raise your hand, will you? Yeah. Because if they don't put the counters on and they could, that means they're coming after you, which sort of, like isolates your the your real opponents at the moment yeah so, that's a good way of looking at it it's really good way of so i think at it. that information is very powerful um yeah i actually like that card quite a bit it'll be interesting to see how it plays off there's sort gimmicky cards like that have a tendency to be underrated because it just looks gimmicky yeah yeah this next card i is goes for my vote of card i'm going to put in every single deck that can play it um grip of phyresis two in a blue Instant, gain control of target equipment, then create a 0-0 black germ creature token and attach that equipment to it. The, the amount of mana you gain from this transaction is absurd mm-hmm. if the equip costs or if the equipment costs a lot. So let's say someone plays, you know, their Sword of Feast and Famine, and you're like, dang, I wish I had that card. Oh, wait, I can have that card. I can get it at instant speed, and I can immediately equip it to a creature. So by that ter- the turn comes around, it costs like what five or six mana to play and equip that card. You did it for three. You get a card. They don't get the equipment back. You own that card now, unless they have like a homeward path or something, and you can swing with it. The fact that it's instant is so good because you can, like you said, have it with virtual haste, but also you can take it off of something mm-hmm. and block with it. Also, if they've got you know, everybody likes to put the Swift of Boots, the Lightning Greaves, the Whisper Silk Cloaks, that kind of stuff on. Yeah. Being able to take those away at instant speed and then affect the creature because they don't have Hexproof or whatever now is yeah. very, very powerful. Yeah, I, we'll see how many decks I put it in because we don't have a ton of Ultron in our meta, but there's still a ton of Lightning Greaves and stuff. So just for that, it could be worth it. Like, hey, I've got a Lightning Greaves now and I also can kill your creature, which I couldn't before. Yeah, yeah, It's totally. super powerful. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, the next one is... <laughs> boom pile i don't know how many decks i'll play this in but i kind of want to play it in a lot <laughs> it's just funny which is why i wanted to talk about it. boom pile <laughs> it's four mana for an artifact it says tap it flip a coin if you win the flip destroy all non-land permanents <laughs> that's it it's, oh no that's not it fuses we have more than more than enough now which one was it good job you goblins <laughs> what are you doing um, this is arguably stronger than nev's disc well, you can use it the turn it comes out. So half yeah. the time it'll be stronger. Half, well, it also blows also up planeswalkers. planeswalkers yeah. yeah, so <laughs> it's a fifty-fifty shot. It's a fifty-fifty shot. There are some cards that are all about coin flips, and there are cards that affect coin flips too. So I guess you could play it in one of those. But yeah, this I card... actually think it's probably just fine even without those in decks that are having trouble with board wipes. You know, yeah. having enough board wipes or whatever. So <laughs> that card's so silly, but it's just awesome. I agree. Oh, this last one we're going to talk about uh, that's not a reprint. It's called Ash Barrens. It's a new land, and this will inevitably, I think, find its way into almost every single uh, three-color deck and up. Three-color and up, yeah. Uh, or decks that want to have colorless mana. So it's, an, it's a oh, land. Oh, really good point, yeah. It's a land that adds a colorless to your mana pool, and it also just has basic land cycling. You can pay one mana and go discard this card at instant speed, find a basic, and put it into your hand. 
awesome. Yep, so good. So good. Because it is a land. Like, it's so much better than some cards like, I don't know, a tune with the Ether or something like that, where that card does go find you any land, but it's not a land itself. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you're fine on mana, and you just play Ash Barons as a land, and you didn't actually have to pay that extra mana. You just yeah. have to play it. So, And it doesn't come into play tapped. Like, that's the thing. It's sort of... Yeah, it's really good. It's really, really it's good. It's really, really good. Yeah. I, it's just like, it, you know, we made the the deck list of cards you should put in, you know, every sort of starter commander deck, and this is 100% one of those cards that you'd put in. I think if it's two color or less, you don't need it, but if it's yeah. three color or more, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some notable reprints. Now, we... We won't go into depth and talk about the yeah, full card itself, but... There are a whole bunch of legendary creatures. Oh my gosh, such a good idea. Way more than normal. There's like Alesha, Godo, Slobat, Edric, Sidri, Gave, Sharum, more than that. Um, Duretti? Yeah, Duretti Scraps of Un. This is a Planeswalker that came out with a monocolor Dex. Very powerful. Very only expensive. Came out with, very expensive, yeah, and now it's back. Yeah, that's so cool that they reprinted this card because a lot of the cards in the set also care about artifacts as well. Very, very nice. Yeah, it's Thank great. Duretti's coming back. Um, Zedru, Zedru, yes, who has been definitely climbing up in price, hasn't been seen printed in a very long time. This is like sort of the I don't know, you could play as chaos. You, I don't know how this you, is actually a very strong deck. It's sort of like it, it feels like it might be group hug, hug because you're giving your stuff to other mm-hmm. people. But um, because it's drawing you cards for that, anyway, anybody who's seen as a Drew deck in action knows that it's very good. And this card was climbing up in price. I'm, I like this as a thing I hope they do more of in the future, which is print more yeah. of the legendaries within the decks instead of just giving us the three or four that they used to. Some of these decks have six uh, legendaries or more in it. And that's just great for people, like I said, jumping into the format. If you are going to try Commander for the first time or you're pretty new to the format, these decks are great because they give you so many tools to build more decks down the line. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and to keep climbing the value train past in Flames, which shot up in price recently. Oh, my goodness. Uh, is a must-play in, like, our Mizzix deck, for example. Uh, is card's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's back. It's also a, a Mythic Rare now, which I think is kind of funny. So wasn't it just Rare originally? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, this card has shot up in price a lot was it because of mizzix or was there like no a deck? i think there was like a modern or something that made it like go up but oh no it was mythic originally as well oh okay yeah but the card's great um and like it's a super powerful effect and i'm just really glad that they're like hey look we know that people are going to want this kind of effect specifically in commander so we're going to reprint it now they may have no idea that it would have would have seen the price jump it did but i'm glad that it's back yeah, I'm going to read it. Three and a red for a sorcery. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. And then Past in Flames itself has flashback for four and a red. So it sort of lets you reuse your instants and sorceries in your graveyard. It's it's great. Yeah, it's great. I love this card In Mizzix, it's totally broken. Yeah, especially when you're playing it for one mana. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this card's back. Yeah, burgeoning. So we just talked about it because of Conspiracy, and it was our preview card for Conspiracy. And here it is again, burgeoning. It's awesome. This is great. They've they've reprinted enough now that like if you want burgeoning, you can get it. Yeah, yeah. And it's got this sweet art by Titus Lyncher as well. And it was our preview card. Uh, oh yeah, this one just because of value, right? Scavenging ooze. Scavenging ooze. Yeah, and this card is it, it is. 
I think this is secretly one of the most powerful cards you can play in the commander deck. Targeted graveyard removal. That doesn't need to tap the creature. One in the green for a 2-2 two, two creature ooze. You can just pay one green and then exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, you get a plus, a plus one, plus one counter scavenging ooze, and you gain one life. So this is awesome if someone targets something in their graveyard with a snapcaster mage or yep. you just know Past that they're, in flames. Yeah, they're throwing stuff in their graveyard because they want to reuse it um, or like a carador deck. You can just start exiling cards for just one green. If you have a bunch of green up, you can do it to... That's so many things. You can really hose graveyard decks with this guy. Yeah, scavenging use is very, very powerful. I like that card. Quite uh, another card that was in Conspiracy 2. It, Conspiracy 2? Yeah, no, sorry, EMA. Yeah, EMA. Eternal Masters is Baleful Strix. It was still a, a few dollars, So, and this is a very good card. It's a red and a blue for a blue one. Blue and a black, sorry. Sorry, blue and a black, yeah. For a 1-1 one, one flying death touch. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. So it's almost always... A really good stop sign for decks because they don't want to just lose their creature your 1-1, and you drew a card off of it, so, you know, you don't care Yeah, if it dies. I, I like this card a lot just because it's you can bounce it, you can flicker it. It's just all around, like, it's also just one of the best blockers. It's yeah. flying with Death Touch. Like, all right, I'm in. Um, oh, this next one was definitely going up there in price. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's only reprinted one deck, um, but... Wizard sometimes does this. It is Chromatic Lantern, three mana for an artifact. My number one artifact, most powerful artifact of all time. Lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and the lantern itself also can tap to add any mana of any color to your mana pool. Obviously, very important in the four-color set. Yeah, if you're playing four or five colors, you almost have to have this card in there. It's just too good. Um, it's too it's too much fixing. It's and it's ramp too, which is great. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Skull Clamp. We've talked about all you know, like probably half our shows. It's just a super good card. <laughs> Uh, it's one, maybe the most powerful uh, equipment ever. Mm -hmm. It's definitely up there. Oh, the next one is my number one artifact of all time. Correct. Solemn Simulacrum. 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 Darth Solemn. <laughs> yep. So we won't. I won't read that whole thing because we talk about it all the time. Yeah. This one's a little bit newer, but it's already had been sort of coming up in price. And, and because it's a little bit newer, I think we haven't touched on it as many times, but mm -hmm. this is just one of those like command tower power level cards that probably goes in most decks, at least of three or more color. Yep. It's Commander Sphere. Three mana. Tap it for an artifact, sorry. Tap it and add a mana to your mana pool of any color in your commander's color identity. And then you can sacrifice Commander Sphere at any time to draw a card. Yeah. This is a great card in general. It will always get you the mana you need. It's not good in a deck with like send triplets or whatever because you want to use mana it outside. It could still be good. It could still be good. You're yeah, still going to need some of those colors. I mean, the best thing is, is like, look, later in the game when you're like, I have 8D, 80 mana. Right. I'm going to sack this and draw a card. <laughs> yep. I don't need one extra mana. Uh, Homeward Path, very important card in EDH. Uh, you can tap it to add a colorless mana to your mana pool or you can tap it for nothing, just tap it. Each player gains control of all creatures he or she owns. Notably, Grip of Phyresis, you still get to keep that equipment that you stole. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not a creature, and the germ is yours. Holy crap, I didn't even think about that. That's great. Yeah. The Ho card Homeward Path, up. if you're not playing any cards that steal other people's creatures, which most decks aren't, mm -hmm. you should have Homeward Path in there, because the ones that are, they're going to be really mad when you just, well, no. Not to mention, it's like you're trying to just play it and do it. You're like, oh, God. It's not counterable, and you can do it from then on, like because mm -hmm. you don't have to sacrifice that land. You just tap it, so it's pretty good. A yeah. um, couple of good lands, a couple of good orchards, for yeah. Exotic Orchard and Forbidden Orchard. Um, these are really good in four-color decks and five-color decks, obviously. Yeah, Exotic Orchard was also just seen in Conspiracy, Conspiracy. too. Yeah, correct. Uh, Forbidden Orchard. Yeah, and the, the, so the lands that they're adding to these decks are all... So 
there's a bunch of three color lands that are coming back, like Crumbling Necropolis, which is the Jund. Oh no, sorry, the um, Grixis. Grixis land, uh, and then you also have like Arcane Sanctum. Esper. Yeah, a lot of the tri lands are back. Um, Frontier Bivouac. Yep. Then we also have some of the life lands, some of the bounce lands, but the big headliners of the lands, and we we alluded to this earlier, are the uh, the check lands. Yeah, the check lands and the pain lands are the ones. the The pain lands went up a bunch because yeah, because of, of the Eldrazi that yeah, require colorless. Pain lands are the ones that tap for a um, colorless mana, or they tap for two different colors. But if you do that, you take one damage. So like Underground yep. River taps for a colorless, or you can tap and add either blue or black to your mana pool, and then it deals one damage to you. So those the pain lands because mm-hmm. they they're painful to use. I believe. Three of those are reprinted, the blue, black, white, black, and red, green. And then the check lands are like Sun Petal Grove, which enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a forest or a plains, and it adds forest or plains to your mana pool. Uh, so that's Rootbound Crag, Sun Petal Grove, and Dragon's Call Summit. They call them check lands because they're checking to see if you have specific other land before they're either tapped or untapped. Mm-hmm. And then the filter lands, which are... Pretty expensive, uh, quite a few of them are anyway, and they come in untapped, and the thing about filter lands is they don't tap for mana on their own. You need to mm-hmm. pay one mana and tap them, and then they produce two mana uh, of different colors. So They're kind of like Signets. Yeah, Sungrass Prairie. Yeah, they're a lot like Signets, except they don't cost, they, they take your land uh, for a turn. Mm-hmm. So Sungrass Prairie is a land, comes into play untapped. You pay one mana and tap it, and then you add a green and a white to your mana pool. Yep, and then there's Shadow Blood Ridge for red black and Dark Water Catacombs for blue black. So, all in all, these lands are all pretty value heavy, and it's great. You know, they didn't reprint the full cycle. I believe they were like, some of these decks need these kinds of lands over other ones. So, very nice that they were very considerate and at least thinking about like, oh, we could just reprint all the pain lands or whatever. But like, they're like, no, no, no. Let's let's figure out which decks want the ones the most. So you have three of each, I believe. There's still room definitely to upgrade the mana bases too because there's no shock lands and there's no fetch lands. And mm-hmm. those are two of the most sort of efficient ways to fix your mana, although the, it's a little bit painful to do it that way. But um, sh- fetch lands won't be able to search for any of these because they don't have basic land types. Yeah. Um, but again, some of these, like Car- Carplusen Forest was like, getting pretty high up there as far as cost because of um the different eldrazi's and stuff i think um okay so that's what we're going to go through today for the first look we're like jimmy said earlier we are going to take each of the pre-con decks like we did for commander 2015 and commander 2014 and sort of break them down what they're trying to do you know if we're taking right out of the box how we might run them and also some ways to sort of quickly upgrade them not not doing a fully tuned whatever, but just like, okay, what are the worst cards in here that and what would we replace them with? What's easy to replace? So we'll do that for each of them. We'll be talking about Commander 2016 for at least the next, for the foreseeable future, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, four-color commanders, man. So excited. So many options that you can do. Very exciting. Idris. Idris. Idris Elba. Bringing it in. So, oh man, he's so good. I'm going to build a track, so. <laughs> All right, now to the listeners. What cards are you most excited about from this Commander 2016 set? And uh, specifically, what two partners are you looking to partner up? Yeah, I really want to know this. I'm, yeah. I'm really interested to see. I'm sh- God, there's gonna... so many com- uh, there's so many different like ways to pair them up that it's like it boggles my mind. It's hard for me to like say, well, this one. It's just there's there's so many choices. I think it really 100 percent speaks to like this is what Commander is. 
this is self-expression to the max because you sit down at the table, someone plays, you know, like a, a commander like Mizzix, you know what you're going to get into. Someone plays a partner of two combos that you probably haven't seen before. Their deck could go in any direction. You really have no idea what you're going to come up against. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking about our friend Donald Miner over at EDH Rec and, uh, I think this is going to screw up his database pretty good because oh. all of a sudden he's got to have two, like every two combination. Yeah. Donald, if you're listening to this, I'd be interested to hear how you're going to deal with that. Good luck. Good You luck. have to have a whole new site. Like, choose your first commander. Choose your second one. Do they both have a partner? Okay, well, here's... Uh, <laughs> I can see the site just blowing up as a result. And as a result, also, I feel like I'm going to have to buy like three of every pre-con so I have enough of these partner guys and everything. Like, this feels like the best commander set since we've been doing the show. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you could argue that maybe the very first one was better, but no, I think four colors and having, you know, four years of design experience under their belt has resulted in a very solid set across the board with packed with value in ways that you wouldn't expect and just has tons of flexibility. Yeah, pretty great. So if you do want to uh, order these, either the singles or the pre-cons, make sure you go to cardkingdom.com, our sponsor. Use the affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Uh, so that, you know, they know that we're the ones that sent you. Yep. Yep, and definitely, this is the time. You want all this stuff, and you want to be, like, the first people in your playgroup to use that certain two-partner combination that everyone's like, whoa! Whoa, holy moly, did you just... Okay, cool, all right, all right, let's go. And then go. tweet us a pic so that I can copy you. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to see how people, like, represent these two in the commands, and I'm sure people are going to find cool ways to, like... Oh, that's really interesting to, like, yeah. Okay. I want a lot of Twitter pictures of this stuff. Come yes, on, everybody. Please. We're counting on you. All right. Moving on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of Magic. I've been playing a new video game recently that's been uh, a nice little breath of fresh air. Uh, it's a very short, fast-paced video game called Battle Right. Battle Right. Yeah, so it used to be called Bloodline Champions back in the day. It plays very similarly to Dodo or League, uh, where it's sort of... Oh, it's a MOBA? Yeah, it's kind of like a MOBA. It's 2v2 or 3v3. Each character is either ranged, melee, or support, and you're in a tiny little arena, and every character is, like, jumping around, using abilities, throwing fireballs at each other, or firing arrows, using guns, or hacking and slashing and dealing poison damage, or supporting. And it's very fast and dynamic. Each round takes, like, 10 to 15 minutes at the most. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's best out of uh, five. So, Is it on PC? Yes, it's on PC. Uh, it's currently in open beta. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. If you guys decide to pick it up, please feel free to add me at, I think, JF Wong. You're Twitter almost name. always JF Wong. Yeah, almost always. <laughs> you know, I've been playing a new V game. Yeah? Civ Six, Civilization oh, Six. yeah. I've I'm seen a, a lot of people tweeting about that I'm as a well. big fan of Civilization and those type of, uh, you know, simulation slash strategy games, so I've been having fun with it. Nice. That's it. If you like the other ones, you'll like that one, so you didn't even need me at all to tell you that. Yeah. If you didn't like the other ones, well, you won't like this one because it's just like them. But if you've never played any of the other ones, should they pick this one up? I think so. It's it's a, it's a little bit more... To me, it was a little easier to understand. That's hard to say, though. I've been playing Civilization on and off for like a decade or more, <laughs> so it wouldn't have been hard for me to understand. I don't know. It seems a little more streamlined. I'm not sure if that's true. Did you learn something about the world when you play it? No, I, I do wonder, because I've mentioned on the show many times the uh, my favorite podcast, which is Hardcore History, mm-hmm. and there's, now this could be just because since the last time I played Civilization, I hadn't listened to Hardcore History, so am I just noticing these comparisons that I didn't before, or did they take the same influence from oh. Hardcore History? Because there's some turn of phrase and stuff, and I'm like, that's a Hardcore History turn of phrase, but maybe he stole it. I don't know. Anyway, listen to Hardcore History. Man, you got three in steps in one. Value. Value. Hot, hot Value. All right, time for, oh, oh yes, don't forget about Collected.Company. 
which is our new website. It's going to be our new hub. We've teamed up with our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. You can find them on Twitter at the MMcast. Alex and Ben, they talk about all things competitive magic and modern, specifically as a format. You can also find them on collected.company. Yep. And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson, who does an awesome job making all the video content for the site. Uh, I can say the site now. Uh, so if you guys go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast, you can watch full videos of each of our podcasts where we show all of the cards. It'll be very important for the episodes coming up because we're going to be talking about a lot of new cards that uh, whose names that we don't even know yet. Yeah, so, they're new. You haven't seen them. You're not as familiar with them. Neither are we. So it's really good to be seeing them as we're talking about them. Definitely, if you go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Yes. Also, you can do that on iTunes and Stitcher and stuff too. Yes. Uh, and big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations. Actually, there's a Sidri one that's now on the episodes, and Sidri just got reprinted in this last set. So how very fitting. Bing. So make sure, bing, make sure you guys shout them out on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>